Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. U-Haul is the nothing personal word of the day. Good morning. It is September 2nd, 2022. U-Haul. The Utah Jazz said, if you want Donovan Mitchell, we're going to back up our U-Haul to New York or to Cleveland or to anywhere. And we're taking every one of your assets. And we're then getting a storage unit in Utah. We're not going to win any games because we can't get past the Warriors anyway. So we're going to collect first round picks and hope that this rebuild works. The New York Knicks were supposed to get Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is an all-star. No question, he is a team changer, but not a championship maker. But the New York Knicks could not come to an agreement, and they said, we're good. We're going to sign R.J. Barrett, which they confirmed. They gave him a four-year guaranteed deal. We're going to run it back. We're going to hear from Leon Rose. Now we're not. Can you imagine being the president of a team and never, ever talking to the media? Never, ever talking publicly about what you're doing? and being a failure. When I failed, at least I talked about it and said, here's why I failed. Here's what we're gonna try to do better. So the Knicks are the Knicks. And when Coca told me yesterday that Cleveland had traded for Donovan Mitchell, I was a little surprised because I had forgotten sort of what Cleveland's roster was. They had just become irrelevant to me because you think about the Heat and you think about other teams in the East, the Celtics, the Bucks, the Sixers. And I just wasn't thinking about the Cavaliers. And then you look at their roster and you look at what Vegas has done after this trade saying that this team could win 46, 47 games up from 42, 43 without Donovan Mitchell. And you say, wow, there's an aggressive mid-market team thinking that they have an opportunity to compete in a conference that is extremely deep. Why don't we go for it? It's the dream of the union. It's a dream of the players. It's the dream of the fans. It's the anti-tank. But sports, as we've told you, when one team goes for it, it's a zero-sum game. That means another team, if they're smart, is not going to go for it. There can only be a certain number of teams going for it at any one time. And the Utah Jazz have been good for almost as long as I can remember. Going back to the Jerry Sloan, Mailman, John Ratzenberger, John Stockton days. All the way up to Rudy Gobert, who's now a Minnesota Timberwolves, and Donovan Mitchell. It's funny that they didn't like playing together. Now it's not that one of them got to stay in Utah. They're both gone. So I found myself thinking about this trade from Dwayne Wade's standpoint. 
Dwayne Wade, when he was with the Heat, forget the Bulls and everything he did after the Heat for that one year, which I think he's forgotten about, and I think all the fans have too. I don't recall the Heat having a down period, maybe post-Shaq, pre-LeBron. There could have been a season or two of mediocrity, but generally the Miami Heat were always, always trying to win. And then instead of joining the Heat, he decides to become a part owner of the Utah Jazz. So not only is he in Salt Lake City, but in addition, he is now looking at three years to four years of lottery time. Maybe Dwayne Wade will represent. Maybe Gabrielle Union will represent along with Jamie Gertz, although they really won't be in the lottery much anymore because of Trey Young. But maybe he will or she will represent the Jazz in the lottery. I was just struck by the way everyone reacted to this trade and talking about all the picks that, that Cleveland gave. I think it's three first-round picks that were unprotected, two protected, plus three players, one of whom just signed a $72 million deal, Colin Sexton. You go to Utah, you know you're not going to win. Hey, do you want $72 million guaranteed? Yes, I do. Why? Because even the Jazz, unlike in baseball, when you tank – or when you rebuild, you still have to have a minimum salary. There's a salary floor in the NBA, which is what goes hand in hand with the salary cap, which is why baseball doesn't have that because owners and players can't even agree on a salary cap or a salary floor. But it just means that teams have to spend money when they're not ready to win, which is great for the union, great for the players. So Sexton wakes up and says, all right, I'm on a bad team, but I got paid. So I find it all to be a system that makes perfect sense to me from the outside as someone in business, as someone who's run a team, but can be very difficult for fans to come to grips with. The possibility of looking right at a your own team who is not trying, not tanking, but not trying, totally rebuilding, but they haven't rebuilt from a period of winning. They've rebuilt from a period of trying to win. So I thought to myself with the Utah Jazz having never made it past the second round in the last four years with Donovan and Rudy, who does that remind me of? And I looked in the mirror as I combed my 17 hairs and I said, wow, uh, that was me. We had teams that were supposed to be good. We had moments of greatness. We had moments of mediocrity and moments of crap. And we did it year after year. We hung on to the core of players for as long as possible and then could not get over the hump. Of course, our hump was the playoffs, couldn't make the playoffs. And then we moved on, totally rebuilt and opened a new window or tried. Don't you count on your team executives of the team you love to do that? Are you all angry with Danny Ainge? Do you feel as though he was brought in and he's turned his back on you? The Utah Jazz have a better chance of being better than the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I want to explain why I'm saying that. Not this year. The Cavs will have a better record than the Jazz. But you know how people, the last five years, the Utah Jazz won 250 games. It's such a meaningless stat. But over the next five years, the Jazz will win more games than the Cavaliers. It's not a useful way to see who's going to want to remember this five years from now. It'll drive Coca crazy, leaving sort of an un, 
answered wait to see. But I love either going all in or all out. It is the people in the middle, and the Utah Jazz have been square in the middle for years. The people in the middle are the ones who suffer. Let's talk NFL contracts. We have, uh, when owners get together, they talk about what teams are doing with free agents. They, we get a list from MLB. We know all the free agents. They put up a slide, not collusion, everybody, but they put up a slide every owner's meeting where they'll go through free agents, new team, contract, age, and then MLB and the labor department watching over the baseball department saying, don't say that. Don't, Rob Manford used to, Manfred, I call him Rob Manford. I've always called him that. There are people out there saying it's Rob Manfred, Manford. Doesn't matter. The commissioner, the great commissioner, the ninth commissioner. He used to stand there over Bud Seelig and say, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. We've got that collusion case. We just settled it. Let's not tell owners not to sign players. We can't do that. We can't do that. So instead, the baseball operations department would get up in the owners meeting. They put up a slide and say, look, look at this idiot. And they leave it blank. But we don't know who it is, obviously. Sometimes it was us, sometimes it was the Yankees, sometimes it was every team. You always had your turn to be yelled at by Bud Seelig in an owner's meeting. I think he did it on a rotational basis. And they'd show a contract and they'd say, look, this didn't work. If you want to do it, you're an idiot. They didn't say don't do it, but if you do it, you're an idiot. And I'm going to yell at you. And then he'd open a Diet Coke while we were sponsored by Pepsi. So... In football, there's something very similar happening in the National Football League. Deshaun Watson was signed by D. Haslam. Maybe Jimmy was there too. Maybe the daughters, they all had a meeting and they said, we're gonna give Deshaun 230 million guaranteed. And it was absurd. Forget the fact that he is an sexual assault misogynist. Forget any of that. I'm talking about his money. No, I'm not giving him more oxygen. I'm talking about a number, 230. You got that? 2-3-0. The NFL owners got together, and this is the beginning of a collusion case if the NFL would want to focus on it, meaning the Players Association. The owners got together and said, we are not, repeat not, going to use that as the new standard for quarterbacks. We are letting the Cleveland Browns out on an island we are going to embarrass them, and we're going to make sure that every quarterback signed after Deshaun Watson does not get $230 million guaranteed. NGTH. That's what they said. You have to say it very, very quietly. The reason you have to say it quietly is you don't want to run afoul of labor relations, the NLRB, or any laws, rules, regulations, or other such things that would cost owners more money. So Deshaun Watson signs, gets $230 million. Kyler Murray says, I'll take that. The Cardinals say, you won't take that. How about 189? Great, I'll take it. Done. Aaron Rodgers, can we, can we rearrange some stuff here? Because I want flexibility if I want to move to Hollywood and I want to be in, in The Rock too. I just, I need an opportunity to do stuff. I'll take 150. Great. Russell Wilson gets traded to the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos have a new owner. It's the Walton family, Rob Walton. Remember the rich owner? What's he going to do? The NFL owners said, hey, listen, Walmart man, you want to re-sign Russell Wilson or extend him because you want to make him the face of your franchise? Sounds good, but you better not get to Deshaun Watson number. 
Russell Wilson signed yesterday for a guarantee of $165 million, making him third on the list of quarterback guarantees. $165 million for Russell Wilson. Let's talk about that. Russell Wilson. They gave him what is reported as a five-year, $245 million deal. Look, I got more than DW. Well, we don't look at that in football. In baseball, we do, but not in football. In football, all we look at is guaranteed money. Because after that, you can basically wipe your tuchus with the rest of the contract because it's up to the ownership and the team, not the player. So forget 5245. The only thing you need to know is that 165 is guaranteed. So now Russell Wilson has the next seven years because this was an extension, not a free agent signing. He's got two years left on his current deal, then another five-year deal purportedly. I mean, if they go all five, but the way it's done, it is very unlikely Russell Wilson. Now, hey, Coca, on a random Friday, we could do two five-year wait to sees. Ready for it? We're not going to do it. It's so terrible to do to you. But the Cleveland Cavaliers will have a worse record than the Utah Jazz in the aggregate over five years. And on top of that, you and I are still going to be working together in five years. You know that, Coke. You can't get rid of me that quickly. That won't even be 10 years together in five years. And then on top of that, Russell Wilson will not take a snap for the Denver Broncos in five years. Not a snap. Five years. It's absurd. But he is going to get the guarantee. So we go down the list of guarantee for quarterbacks, and there's a name missing. And the name missing is that guy for the Ravens, Coca's favorite team, Lamar Jackson. That guy without an agent. That guy who said, I will only sign a contract prior to game one of the NFL season, which is now T-E-N-D-A-Y-S away. Although the regular season is actually under a week away. Starts on a Thursday. But the Ravens play the Jets on September 11th. You may see Coke at that game because, of course, he's a J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets fan. (laughs) You have to go see the Jets. By the way, how about this level of despondency for you, Matt? If you go to that Ravens-Jets game and the Ravens lose to the Jets in week one and then you're stuck in parking lot traffic for two hours, I'm just curious. And You have to hurry up and get back to this puppy who's crapping all over your apartment. (sighs) Don't be mad. They're not going to find you. They will not, I promise. He's not going to the game, folks. He hates the Ravens. All right, let's get back to Lamar Jackson. So they got 10 days to sign him. Lamar Jackson sees what Russell Wilson gets, and he says, I got to get above. I'm better than Russell Wilson. I'm better than Kyler Murray. I'm better than DW. So Lamar Jackson's looking for $230.1 million guaranteed, and the Ravens have been very clear You're not getting to that number. That's a fake number. Fake news. That doesn't exist. You want to get above Kyler Murray? We're willing to talk about that. We're willing to go to 189.6. You will be, in our mind, and in the mind of all the other colluding owners, the top guarantee of any quarterback in football. How do you bridge that gap? If you are an owner or president, you say to the player, be my guest. Don't take the $195 million guaranteed. No problem. Play out your contract this year. Then we're going to tag you next year. Yeah, you'll make $45, $50 million next year. No problem. But that's it. 
So we're willing to guarantee $195 million right now. You get hurt, you're done, you're ineffective, you stink, we stink, something bad happens. CTE, ETC, LSP, ESJ, no problem. You've got that money guaranteed. And Lamar said, I'll bet on myself. If I'm running a football team, I want all the players to bet on themselves because it's not like baseball. There's such a higher incident and likelihood of an injury that can derail a career. Great. Bet on yourself. Have at it. You know who else is rooting for Lamar Jackson to get hurt and not to sign a long-term deal? Every agent in the NFL. They can't have it. So players look at agents and say, look, Lamar got that deal. He didn't even have an agent. He just paid a lawyer hourly. He didn't give 5% of his guaranteed money to some agent going to meetings. He did it himself. But if Lamar doesn't sign and then gets hurt, doesn't play, doesn't get a deal, the agents get to say to players, that's what happens. He was crazy to turn down what the Ravens were offering. He didn't have an agent properly advising him. The hourly lawyer, he's not advising him. He's just billing. He's billing him. That's all. I'm here for you. So there's a lot of people rooting for a lot of different things in the Lamar Jackson scenario, and I am fascinated to watch it unfold. And I think the way it's going to unfold, if I were to guess, and we can make this, do we have a Lamar Jackson wait to see yet? Coca, do you remember? I don't, you don't need to look while we're doing the show, but I'm going to just add this. Lamar Jackson is going to sign his deal before 9-11. And he's going to get more than Murray and less than Watson. So we did have that. Okay. We said he's going to get more than Murray, less than Watson. I still agree with that. I'm glad that was a wait to see. This is, I love nothing personal. It's what we do. A little rundown. Didn't talk about this pre-show that I was going to go this direction, but here we are. We've gone this direction. He's going to get it done. Prior to 9-11, on or before kickoff, Lamar Jackson's going to sign. It's way too risky. Way too risky. Do you think the Broncos will regret signing Russell Wilson? Do you view Russell Wilson as a top three quarterback in the NFL? Does anybody? Listen, he had a great run with Seattle. There's no question about it. I think he's more interested in his off-field life than his on-field life. So I would not be happy if I were Broncos fans. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Oh, yes. Thank you for reminding me. The Broncos with Russell Wilson in the division they're in with the Chiefs and the Chargers and the Raiders, they have Russell Wilson. They just gave him all these years. They're not even going to make the playoffs this year. I don't know what the prognosticators are saying. I haven't read anything about the upcoming season yet because it doesn't start for another six days. But I'm going to give you a wait to see that we'll know by January the Denver Broncos with their new seven-year, $245 million, 165 of it guaranteed. Russell, yes, I'm married to Sierra. Look at me. I'm a superstar living in the biggest house in Denver. Will not make the playoffs. And Denver fans will be longing for Johnny Elway. I miss you, John. I want you back. All right, let's go to break. We come back, we're going to review a movie. And then we're going to talk about whether a team actually should be considered a relocated team when it simply moves to a different part of the same geographic area. Yes, I'm talking to all of you people 
who live in Chicago and love the Bears. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. I hope you can still hear me because Coke is angry with me. You may have cut the feed or CBS is angry. So I may be just talking to myself or dancing with myself. Watch a movie every day. And after Africa, there were a bunch of movies I wanted to watch. And I went to Uganda and I remember this movie called Seven Days in Entebbe. And I thought that I knew it was about a hijacking, but I thought that I would see familiar sights or that it would somehow remind me of my time in Uganda. So I watched it. It's a, it's a couple of years old with Daniel Brühl, the guy from the car movie with the guy who plays Thor. I think Chris Hemsworth was in a car movie. It was really good, directed by Ron Howard. Come on, Coca, be inside my brain. What's the Daniel Brühl movie where he was a, a car racer? And we, we watched it review. Rush, yes. Thank you. And it's also Rosamund Pike who was in Gone Girl. They star as two people who take an entire plane of passengers, an Air France flight back in the 70s that was going from Tel Aviv to Paris. And they hold it hostage, hijack it, and they land in Entebbe in Uganda. And they spend seven days in Entebbe with Idi Amin, that crazy cannibalistic dictator, being of great assistance to them until the end thinking that what they were trying to do was to draw attention to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and the war that has been going on, continues to go on between Israel and Palestine over whose land is whose, who gets to pray where, and why can't we all just be together? And I got to thinking, A, I was very happy not to be on that plane. I was alive when this happened. And the reason I was happy to be on that plane is when I would be stuck in one room for seven days, with I, I just would have lost my mind. But it's a very interesting movie, 
in that it goes through the psychology of the terrorists who hijacked the plane. It talks a little bit about why, but the big focus was on whether Israel and their army, their IDF, Israel Defense, whether they would try to save the hostages. Many of the hostages were Jewish, some were Orthodox, but what do you do? The US wasn't gonna get involved. What do you do when you have made a political, it's really just political, a political decision that you are never going to negotiate with terrorists? And these terrorists were willing to release the hostages only if Israel released a bunch of their hostages and Israel doesn't negotiate with terrorists. So instead what Israel did is they tried to save the hostages and the movie talks about and goes through the process of the prime minister of Israel, Yitzhak Rabin, talks about Shimon Peres, who was then in charge of defense, who became prime minister later on in life. And it goes through in pretty good detail how governments make the decision to do what they're supposed to do and how they value one life over another. What do you do when you've got hostages, but you also have a macro country to defend and think about? It is an unenviable position. Our politicians in the States are too busy worrying about reelection and worrying about rhetoric. But in the real world of politicians and politics, when you are elected, you are elected to represent your constituents. You are, re represented to, you are elected to represent your country. And on top of that, you are elected to make very, very difficult decisions. We've gotten away from that here in the US for whatever reason. It seems as though that every decision is just based on making sure that everyone's clear that you are on one extreme or another, but it's not supposed to be that. So if you have a chance, Seven Days in Entebbe. The movie itself, I'm gonna say it's mediocre, but the way it makes you think if you can see it with someone who's willing to talk about it after, it will lead to really interesting conversations with your family or friends. I miss Chris Farley and I'm okay admitting that, I do. I remember him in Saturday Night Live doing the Bears with George Went. Duh, Bears. Do you remember that? Where they get heart attacks because they're eating all of these, this meat and the smoked meat and the hot dogs and whatever they're eating. And they're talking about their Bears. And this was when the Bears, I can't remember if this was during the Jim McMahon uh, Refrigerator Perry years with Steve McMichael and Trace Armstrong, et cetera. I'm not sure, but it doesn't matter. The Bears have been a staple in Chicago, a staple in downtown Chicago, a staple in Soldier Field. And the owners of the Bears have been toying around with moving to Arlington. Arlington is in the sort of northwest suburbs of Illinois. There was a racetrack there that when I, when I was in Madison in school and working in Milwaukee, very easy to access. You can get to the Arlington racetrack very easily. If you are in downtown Chicago, it's pretty annoying to get to Arlington, but not impossible just annoying. If you are in the northern suburbs, it's way easier to get to Arlington than it is to get to downtown Chicago. If you are the lower middle or upper lower or mid lower or lower lower class in the city of Chicago, you are unable to get 
to Arlington easily. But the owners of the Bears have said, we have an idea. We can't compete in Soldier Field. And what they mean by that is they can't generate the local revenue. They get the same national broadcast revenue as the other 31 teams in football. But from a local standpoint, and that's really where profitability and asset value comes into play. Otherwise, in football, think about this. If every team shared every penny of national revenue, which they do in the NFL, and every team had the same level of local revenue, would you agree that every team would have the same P&L and the same asset valuation? So given that, the differentiating factor is where your team's located and how much local revenue it can generate that it can then keep. And the Bears owners said, hey, we can't get enough at Soldier Field. It's old. We got to move on. So what we're going to do is what owners say they're going to do now. We're building a complex. Give us public money. And we're not just going to build you a stadium. But we're also going to build hotels and offices and amusement parks and all sorts of park space and great transportation and all this great stuff. All we need is for you to do all of the public infrastructure. We'll buy the land even, but we don't want to pay property tax. So the Bears have been negotiating with Arlington. And there was a writer yesterday in Chicago who said it's a matter of when, not if, the Bears are leaving downtown Chicago. And it got me thinking about what teams do when they want something written, right? When they're getting it down into the nitty gritty negotiation with the city of Chicago. The Bears do not want to leave Soldier Field. They do not want to leave downtown Chicago. It makes no sense to do that. But if it makes dollars, then they're going to. So what you do is you try to get a deal that's the same. It's not necessarily the case that sports team owners want to do all this ancillary development. They want to do it as a way to profit, unless you're into Miami and it's a real estate play, but in general, a normal, regular sports owner who owns that team and wants to do the best for that team, it's always best to just get a stadium publicly financed and be where you are and have it be a first-class stadium with plenty, plenty of local revenue. Because there's a huge risk in doing these development deals. Even if you're a real estate person, there's a huge risk. And the problem is for a real estate person to take that risk is a bit easier because they can spread their risk over many different developments they do, not all of which obviously are centered with a sports facility as its anchor. But when you are a sports team owner who owns shares of Walmart, right? It's not your thing, baby. And you can't really spread that development risk across different projects. And are you betting on Arlington to all of a sudden be the place? I don't know, but I do know the timing is fascinating. But what struck me about the hypothesis of the Bears using the Arlington situation as leverage to get a better deal in Soldier Field, there was a throwaway line that I had not contemplated until yesterday and then spent quite a bit of time staring at the ceiling and thinking about it. The thought was that they want to build a facility, having seen how great it is in New York and L.A., when you've got the Giants and Jets and the Chargers and Rams sharing facilities. You then have a facility that's operating every Sunday. So instead of having nine home games or eight home games, you have 17 home games every year. And then you have concerts and various other things. Well, how does that work? 
Chicago only has one team. And the hypothesis is that Chicago has a market large enough for a second NFL team. Well, let me put some cold water on that and I'm gonna give it just a tiny bit of shrinkage. Ready? Not one person listening to this show and we've got some youngins, we've got some teenagers. You can live to 150 like Kushner said you would. Someone born today is gonna live to 150. All right, great. There will not be a second NFL team in Chicago. And the reason there will not be a second NFL team in Chicago is that what you look for when you are expanding is you look for increased broadcast reach. And the reason you want increased broadcast reach is that is where the money is in the NFL. It's with the TV deals, the streaming deals, etc. Nobody is going to pay for an extra team in Chicago, but they'll be happy to pay for an extra market. London, Mexico, maybe another place in the United States of America. But a second team in Chicago is a non-starter. So if the Bears ownership is thinking that they want to build their own facility because they want to get two teams in there, the people in Arlington, the politicians in Arlington, pay close attention. They're just kidding with you. They're just using you to get a better deal with Soldier Field. And it's not like it's that far away. Can you get to me on Twitter, David P. Sampson, if you don't mind? All the people who live in the San Francisco Bay Area. When the lights go down in the city tonight, will you tweet at me and tell me whether or not you feel that the Niners abandoned you when they moved from Candlestick down to Santa Clara, New Levi Stadium? And then while we're at it, since we want to really appeal to more people listening to Nothing Personal, when you are wondering what Danny Boy is doing next and you're trying to decide whether your commanders can keep up with the Eagles, how much do you care whether that team is in Virginia, Maryland, or DC? To me, relocation is when you move from Florida to Texas or from Seattle to Oklahoma City. Moving from Chicago downtown to Arlington, that's not a relocation. Give me a break. Don't use that word. They're just getting a new... F <laughs> Cut that. Nothing personal pick of the day. Shane Bieber lost last night. You know, I talk about the fact that the Orioles are really in this race. It is September 1st. It is not impossible that the Orioles can catch one of the Blue Jays or the Rays or the Mariners to be a playoff team. It's not impossible. They could get a wild card. The Guardians, it's not impossible that they could get caught by the Twins. They're not going to get caught by the White Sox. So there is some stuff that can happen in September that's interesting in the American League, sort of. But I really thought that the Guardians, when they have a division win in sight, even though it's a first-round loss, they'll get to play. Remember, it's new playoffs. The winner of that central division is going to have a worse record than the wild card team, guaranteed. Not, I mean, I can't guarantee anything, but I, I believe. But they're going to get the number three seed because they will have won their division. So they're going to get to play the worst wild card team at home in a three-game series where you have to win two out of three. All games will be in Cleveland but they're gonna have to play a team that's better than they are. It doesn't, anyway. They can end up playing the Orioles. 
actually. And they couldn't even beat them. We're 93 and 78. All right, pay attention. We have three picks this weekend. Yankee fans, close your ears. Jordan Montgomery in the cards over David Sampson in the Cubs. I know it's not David Sampson. That's the P. Adrian Sampson. Cards over Cubs. Jordan Montgomery is the August Cy Young Award winner. You know, I didn't even think about that. We give pitchers, in MLB, there's pitchers of the month. I would assume Jordan Montgomery is going to win pitcher of the month for the National League. What he's done is unbelievable. So Cardinals over the Cubs on Friday. We've got a very good series this weekend if you're not watching Serena, which everybody is. Did you see Coca? Side note, detour. College football, I, I can't even believe this. I have such... It used to be I just was envious of the NFL, maybe a little bit of college football. ESPN is taking the Serena Williams match and moving college football to the deuce. Tonight, Friday, September 2nd. Inside baseball's offices right now, they are DBR, right? They can't get their games moved to ESPN when there's any sort of conflict. They're the ones who always get moved. And now tennis Front and center, because everyone's talking about it. Serena has her third-round match tonight. But there's an interesting baseball series going on between the Padres and the Dodgers. Here's why it's interesting, because the Padres aren't as good as the Dodgers. Here's what's more interesting. The Padres are throwing their pitcher who they acquired, who's been fine, and the Dodgers are throwing their one remaining ace, but Kershaw's back and actually pitched decently. Um, Not as much length, but not terrible. But Saturday, you've got Urias. The Dodgers are in a position, not the Yankees, the Dodgers are in position to be the best team in the history of baseball. They have to have another great month, but they could set the record. They're already going to get their franchise record. To me, that's without a doubt. But they have a chance to have the best record of any team ever. And they don't like the Padres. Saturday, Dodgers over Padres. Sunday's an interesting one. I'm going back to Atlanta. There is so much at stake in the NL East. Do you know that if you win the NL East and you're the Mets, you get a bye in the first round. You don't have to play the wild card series at all. You go right to the division series with your pitching fully lined up. If you don't win the NL East, you're a wild card team and you've got to either play another wild card team or the worst division winner in the National League, which will be the St. Louis Cardinals, who have been H-O triple T. And then you've got to be on the road, win two out of three, then go to a division series against the Dodgers. That's how much is at stake for the Mets, Braves, and East race. And the Mets are a three-game, have a three-game lead which is not insurmountable, but seems insurmountable. It's very hard to make up three games in a month. It can happen. It's hard to be hotter than the Braves have been. It's hard to be as winning as the Mets have been. So I think the Mets will hold on here, even though I picked the Braves to win that division. But the Mets and Braves have a lot to play for. Now, it's not like the old days where either you win the division or you don't make the playoffs. That would be pretty cool. I would love that to be. Like right now, we've got the 
Brewers and Padres for who's not going to make the playoffs in the National League. Big whoop. And then in the American League, you've got three of the Orioles and and Rays and Mariners and and uh, and Rays, Orioles, Blue Jays, and Mariners. Three of the four are going to make it. Yeah, that's sort of exciting. Maybe. Maybe the Rays can catch the Yankees six games back. Probably not. So the biggest, most exciting thing going on in baseball right now is in the National League East with Mets v. Braves. The Braves are playing the Marlins this weekend. The Marlins, again, are 20 games under. Someone, Coca, I forgot to mention this before the show. Someone tweeted, and you taught me, don't believe Twitter. Okay, 469. You said, hey, listen, we have like 10 minutes left in the week. You said... You cannot believe Twitter and you cannot believe Instagram. You've got to have me verify. I'm not going to let you get catfished and I'm not going to let you have stats that are incorrect. And I'm supposed to mention this to you, Prisha. Have the Marlins been 20 games under in on September 2nd for five years in a row for every year of Jeter's reign, even though this is the fifth year and he got fired. But is that correct? There's no way you're going to be able to check this quickly. But the Marlins are 20 games under, and they've got to figure out how to get offense because they're offensive. And they've got Pablo Lopez going on Sunday against Max French-Fried. Take the Braves. I think I may have had Freed winning the Cy Young in my preseason pick, and he's not going to win the Cy Young, but boy, he's been good. And the Braves are just a far, far better team. Pablo Lopez is no Sandy Alcantara. He is a serviceable mid-rotation guy. I love the Braves over the Marlins on Sunday. That is Montgomery and the Cardinals over the Cubs on Friday. Dodgers over Padres Saturday. Braves over Marlins Sunday. We're 15 over, and we will see. No pick Monday because we have no show Monday. It's Labor Day. I don't understand why I'm not working on Labor Day, Coca. Why aren't we doing a show again? Because we're taking a rest? Resting my vocal cords? Yes, I have a wedding. Sam, I'm coming to the wedding, I promise. All right, Coca, play me some music. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Hello, David. Hello. I saw the Amazon viewership numbers from their first streaming game. Is the NFL disappointed? Surprised? Would love your thoughts. I'd love to give you my thoughts. That's why we've got the microphone and the soundboard and the thing in my ear. Amazon. I don't know if you were paying attention this offseason, but Amazon, if you want to watch a regular season game on Thursday night in the NFL, guess what? It's called AP, folks. Amazon Prime. You better get it or you're not going to be watching it. The NFL is brilliant to have done this deal with Amazon. But there is a concern that not as many people will be watching the game as when it was on either NFL Network or a different network. So the question is, why did the NFL bet on streaming and why did they bet on streaming today, starting this season 2022? First, I'm gonna tell you what happened on Thursday in the preseason. And I'm gonna remind you that NFL preseason games were like outranking Christmas Day outrating Christmas Day NBA games. The NFL is a juggernaut of ratings and audience share. The number of people who watched the 49ers play the Texans on that Thursday preseason game, I don't think Jimmy G was the quarterback. 
and I don't think DW was the quarterback for the Texans, there were about a million people. Half of those people were watching it over the air in the markets of San Francisco and Houston, and the other half were actually streaming it on their device. Now, your device can be your TV if you've cut the cord and you have Hulu and you have Amazon and all the other different things. You could have watched it on your phone if you are an I don't know if Android allows you to watch stuff on your phone, but certainly Apple does. I mean, who would have an Android phone? No, they're not a sponsor. That's why I'm saying that. So you've got these people watching, and then the ratings come out. It's a million people. And then the age came out. We pay attention to age in sports because we're trying to get younger. We don't want to get older. Whatever business you're in, pay attention to the age of your customers because if your customers are getting older, that means they're one day closer to dying and that means your business is one day closer to dying. You want your customers to be young, getting younger. Average age, 51 years old, ancient. Until you realize the average age of the other preseason games on the other networks is 56, but it's preseason. People hadn't done their fantasy drafts yet. Who cares? How many people don't watch one snap of preseason? Why would you? But Amazon, when they bid for the rights, they suspected they'd get around 10 million to 11 million people per broadcast, regular season. The preseason game was used by Amazon just to make sure production was good, to make sure that there were no technical difficulties. They do not care, did not care, nor does the NFL about what the ratings were or what the age of the viewership was. So the NFL is not disappointed or surprised with what happened last Thursday. This is an investment in what they believe is the future, and I agree, and baseball agrees, and basketball agrees. It's all about streaming. You think CBS wasn't paying attention or knew what they were doing when they started CBS Sports HQ or ESPN didn't know what they were doing with ESPN Plus or now Paramount Plus? It's all about the streaming. You have to forget the fact that you grew up with cable. You have to forget the fact that you used to have to buy tiers. T-I-E-R-S, not T-E-A-R-S. The way content is consumed has changed, is changing, and will continue to change to the point where the audience wants what they want, when they want it, on any device they want it on. They don't want to have to buy furniture and sit around a TV in order to engage with content. The movie studios knew it, know it. The sports Leagues knew it and know it, not just in the U.S., but around the world. And what they are doing is forward-facing. They are thinking about 2029 and 34 and 43 and 53. We don't know what the world will look like in 2053, right? 30 years from now? That's like in 1992 where you're thinking, oh, piece of cake. I will be able to have a phone where I can not just prepare a show but watch a show And if I want to know what the Marlins record was for the last five years, whether they were 20 games under, I can basically press buttons on a phone that I carry with me without a cord, might I add, use it anywhere in the world, can you imagine, and get the answer unheard of. That's just 30 years. That's not even 30 years. So who knows 30 years from now, but it will not look as it looks today. 
So the NFL is very smart, as is Major League Baseball with their Apple game and their Peacock game. Are you noticing a trend? Guess what? Your Monday night ESPN game is going to be solely and exclusively on ESPN Plus before you can snap your finger. It's going to happen, folks. Get used to it. Find it. Embrace it. Buy it. Enjoy it. See you Tuesday. It's just business. I'm going to go watch a streaming show. This is nothing personal.